Hey, welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. We talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Boom. And here we are. We're here. This is a special episode. Yeah. Because it is Monday. Yes. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Surprise. And uh, I think this there's a, there's some fun behind the scenes on this episode, isn't there? Yeah. 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 So I was just feeling deep in my core that last week's story was really sad. <laughs> it was sad. And the one that I have coming up this week is very heavy. So I thought, you know what? Do I have the capacity to pump out an extra episode? Not really. But in the spirit of the holiday season (laughs) and in the spirit of wanting to break up the heaviness a little bit so I'm not just like bumming everybody out for like a month straight. Yeah. I thought, let's throw in a story. And so then the fun part of that is that I could not for the life of me make a decision on what to talk about. I had like 50 things and I'd get like two sentences in and I'm like, this isn't the one. So I decided, you know what? We have a small little faithful handful of patrons already. Mm-hmm. Thank you to the people who've already subscribed to Patreon. We yes. appreciate that. And I decided let's test out the polls. Let's see how this poll system works. Ooh, yeah. We have an odd number of patrons. And so we'll get a definitive vote And so I gave them the choice between two like broad topics. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to zoom in from there and boom, we have today's, today's episode. Here we are. So if you are interested in being a part of of, uh, something like that, you can join us on Patreon. Mm -hmm. And uh, how how do they find us on Patreon? We have links in our Facebook bio and our Instagram bio. And then you can also just search this one's a doozy podcast on Patreon. Nice. Yep, on the website or on the app. That's awesome. Yes. Well, we need to always ask the all-important question. What are you drinking tonight? I am ashamed to admit that I am a drinkless Debbie tonight. Oh, the drinkless Debbie. I'm just like, this sounds like way oversimplified, but it's true. I'm just not thirsty. (laughs) Just don't want anything. I'm just going to sit on the table in my way, and I'm going to try not to spill it on all of the expensive equipment. That's true. That's true. What are you drinking? Well, I, on the other hand, can't not do Ah, this podcast. The double negative. Yes. So, uh, my drink of choice is, uh, old Jim Beam and Mm. Dr. Pepper. Oh, that's like three in a row. I'm pretty sure. I know. Well, I, to be fair, I would have preferred Coca-Cola, but McDonald's decided to be closed tonight. So For maintenance. This is what happens when McDonald's decides to not be a sponsor of our podcast. And now that it's Coca-Cola is I go without. Yeah, so Poor Kevin. One of these days, someone's going to hear that <laughs> and, and take like, the challenge. <laughs> this is a, <laughs> there's a mantle here being that that's available and I'm waiting for someone to take it up. Yeah. <sighs> Someday. One, one of these days. Well, mm. <laughs> Considering that this is uh, an episode out of the norm, you don't have a feel good fact for us today, do you? I do have oh, a feel good fact. Feel good fact. Oh, even better. Oh yeah. So when a nuclear crisis struck at Fukushima power plant in Japan, retired engineers banded together to fix the problem in order to keep young workers from being exposed to the radiation. Mm. So they they went in knowing that the time elapsed between being exposed to the radiation at high levels, Mm -hmm. which would be what would happen. And the time that you would start experiencing symptoms of that radiation would take between 20 and 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so if these young people are being exposed to radiation, then they're going to be experiencing some serious health issues at a still relatively young age. So all of these elderly retired workers went in and fixed the problems to spare the young people. Yeah. Which there's something about just self-sacrifice for the sake of your neighbor that's just so feel good. It's a bummer, but it's also feel good. Yes. I I did not, I couldn't comprehend what was feel good about that immediately. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got over overcome by the Fukushima side of it side Mm -hmm. of it. I was like, oh this that's how's this and then you explain it and now I get it. And that that is that is sweet, though still sad. Yeah. 
that's a real feel good fact because it's like, like real in the sense of like, I don't have to tell you that, you know, squirrel, squirrel babies are called pups to make right. you feel something. Right. And it feels very human. That's like right. a very human feel good fact. It is. Well, and and it's, it's self-sacrificial, yeah. which is really just like, that's, that tugs at your heartstrings. I it's feel a like. dying art form. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't you go ahead and share with us what you got for us today? Okay. All right. So I don't have much of an intro, but uh, the story is super fun. So today I'm going to tell you about a terrifying string of sightings of a full-blown monster. Ooh. Today I'm talking all about the Beast of Bray Road. Buckle up, Kev. This one's a doozy. Bring it on. All right. So let's start by talking about one of the first reported sightings of the Beast of Bray Road. I say one of the first because many people believe that an unknown creature was spotted seven years before this one that may be the same creature. But I digress. Hmm. So we're heading over to Jefferson, Wisconsin in the year 1936. A 30-something-year-old man by the name of Mark Shackleman left his home that he shared with his wife and children and headed off to work. Hmm. Mark worked at St. Coletta School for Exceptional Children as a night watchman. Luckily for Mark, Jefferson was a pretty quiet little town, and the likelihood of running into anything actually dangerous was super low. Like, for the most part, his job was just keeping teenagers away from, like, playing pranks or, like, vandalizing and things like that. It was a pretty chill job. Um, It was pretty uneventful and boring, also, because nothing ever really did happen. Yeah. So, the school was smack dab in the middle of some very expansive grounds. On the grounds, there was a school— several older buildings, an orchard, well-preserved Native American burial mounds, and various wide-open fields stretching in all directions. Hmm. From what I gathered, most of Mark's job was primarily focused on patrolling the grounds, and some sources say that he patrolled the grounds in a vehicle, while most of them say that he did this on foot. But either Hmm. way, he looked after the grounds. Sure. So on this particular night, Mark was patrolling the fields, flashlight firmly tucked into his belt, and that's when he noticed the shadowy silhouette of something ahead of him. He couldn't quite make out what it was, but it definitely appeared to be some sort of dog hunched over and digging into one of the burial mounds. Oh. Which is a grave. Yes. At first, he believed it was a dog or a wolf, but as he focused more on the creature, he realized that it was massive. Hmm. Way too big to be a dog or even a wolf. Oh. He watched in awe as the creature continued digging into the mound when it suddenly snapped its head around and stared right at him. The creature then stood up on its hind legs. Oh, no. And that's when Mark got a better look at its features. It was wildly tall, standing at over six feet tall on its hind legs. It was covered in sleek fur that was matted in some areas. And though it definitely had the face of a canine, the way that it stood and the way that the muscles beneath the fur stretched across its body and the way it stood on two feet definitely made it appear to be more man-like. Mark also noted that it had very strange hands. It had a twisted thumb, and he believed that it only had three fingers on each hand. During this whole exchange, the smell of rotten meat permeated the air. Oh, Frozen in time, Mark fought against his own panicked breathing and racing heart as the creature continued to stare at him. Hmm. It let out a guttural growl before quickly turning around and running, still on two feet, into the trees in the distance. I'm not sure how the rest of Mark's night went, (laughs) but he made it through the night without spotting the bizarre creature again. Mark went back to the area in the daytime to see if there were any traces of the creature that it may have left behind. He reported seeing footprints near the burial mound. He said that they were human-like in some ways, but definitely animalian in other ways. Mm. Too long to be any known canine, but too distinctly canine in form to belong to a human. So what was this thing? Yeah. He also looked uh, down into the mound where the creature had been digging and noticed scratch marks on a stone, like within the mound. And he thought he may have also seen the decayed remains of a hand, but he wasn't totally Mm. positive. Yeah. Okay. Seems sketchy though. Yes, for sure. Believe it or not, Mark returned the next night for work, which <laughs> props, because if I'd seen something like that, You'd be I'd out. been like, all right, peace. I'm a head out. <laughs> <laughs> this is my letter of resignation. Yes. I will not be back. <laughs> As the next night of patrolling the grounds wore on, Mark made sure to be ready to grab his flashlight in case he needed to use it to see if like to see if he were attempt to run off right. or like if it came to it, he was prepared to use it as a weapon. Yeah. 
While he was out and about, that awful smell of rot appeared again. Hmm. Once again, he saw the shadow of a creature appearing to be digging into the same burial mound. Weird. Mark clutched onto his flashlight, watching in horror as the beast continued with whatever it was trying to do to the burial mound. The creature, once again, noticed him. It stood up on its hind legs, but this time the creature had massive fangs showing as it had its lips curled in a fearsome snarl. Mm. Like the night before, moments passed with Mark and the creature staring at each other. But this time, instead of the kind of growl that you'd expect from a canine, when it growled, it seemed to almost speak. Like a weird growl mixed with an attempt at human speech that came out as three syllables, ga-da-ra. And he like remembered it. I got goosebumps. That's creepy. (laughs) Yes. This lasted for a short time before the creature once again bolted for the tree line, never again to be seen by Mark. But that growl would definitely stick with him. Hmm. What were those random syllables? Like, was it trying to verbally communicate something to him? Was it like happenstance and it was just a regular growl that sounded vaguely like human speech? Hmm. So I didn't write any of this down, but when I was looking at people talking about theories as to what the thing was trying to say, they cited some different words that are at least somewhat similar to the three syllables that the Mm -hmm. thing said that mean different creepy things. (laughs) But (laughs) I didn't spend a whole lot of time on that, but I just thought something about that is just like, yeah, that's, I'm so I don't know if, if, if I'm jumping the gun here by saying this, but the second that you brought up Native American burial grounds mm-hmm. and then a creature that's too large, but looks like a, like a wolf or a dog mm-hmm. immediately made me think of uh skinwalker ranch. Mm-hmm. So I'm like already kind of like in that headspace right now. Like, yeah. is that what we're seeing here? But I'm sure we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. Yeah, we will. <laughs> uh, okay. It is a very, it is a very interesting thing. I also didn't write this down, but Mark's wife was like, you cannot tell this to anybody. Mm, you yeah. cannot. Yeah. Because you're going to lose your job. Everyone's going to think we're nuts. Like there's a lot at stake here if people find out about this. Like I believe you, but you can't tell anyone. And so until after his wife had passed away, like several years after she passed away, that's when he mm. told only his son. And then his son way later on went to tell people about it. I think he was a journalist or a reporter of some kind. Mm. Wow. And he's the one who initially told people about it. Yeah. So Weird. that's just a crazy thing. Oof. So Mark never saw the creature again, like I said. But every once in a while, the awful stench of rotten meat would pop up from time to time while he was continuing his work as a night watchman, mm-hmm. which is creepy. That would like <laughs> trigger something in me immediately yes. every yes. time. So from what I could find, there were a few similar sightings in various counties and states in the area, including one in 1964. In 1964, in Harvard, Illinois, a man named Dennis Fulis was driving home around midnight after he'd gotten off work at Admiral Television Corporation. He turned off of Highway 14 and onto Highway 89 when the headlights of his car lit up a creature running across the road in front of him. He described the creature as being somewhere between seven and eight feet tall and upwards of 500 pounds. Jeez. Huge. Yeah. It was a quick encounter, but Dennis said that the beast had run across the road, jumped over a barbed wire fence, and disappeared into a cornfield. Little evidence of the creature would be found, but when people went to check it out in the daylight, there was evidence that someone or something had pushed out and flattened whole sections of the corn in the field as it ran through, like in the exact spot. Yeah. yeah. So that is weird. When Fulis later recounted his sighting in an interview, he said, quote, that was no man. It was all hairy from head to feet. End quote. His description of the creature was more consistent with classic Bigfoot sightings. Hmm. But either way, a large, hairy, bipedal creature was making appearances in the area once again. Yeah. There would be multiple similar sightings in that region of the United States over the span of decades. Another similar sighting would take place in 1972 by an unnamed woman in Jefferson County, Wisconsin. This woman made a call to police when a large animal that she couldn't identify was attempting to claw its way into her home through one of the outside doors. No. It would return later (laughs) and attack one of the animals on her farm. I believe a horse. Evidence collected from these incidents included evidence of injuries on the animal that had been attacked, 
which was a large laceration that reached from one shoulder all the way to the other. There were also slash marks on the house that were up to seven feet off of the ground. And a footprint that they measured at 12 inches in length. What? A whole foot in length. Oh, that's a man. Even just like if it was an animal that I knew what it was, if it was doing that would be creepy. Mm -hmm. And and this is way worse. I know (laughs) because she doesn't know what it was. Yes. And that's those are bonkers uh, measurements. I know. (laughs) So another sighting of a large bipedal hairy creature would take place in Milwaukee in that same year when a woman named Kim Del Rio would report seeing a creature matching that description in her neighbor's yard. For a while, sightings of the creature would taper off, assuming based off of, you know, descriptions offered by eyewitnesses that it was the same creature. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, Hmm. very interesting. But that would change in the 1980s and 90s when a whole mess of sightings of a similar beast would take place in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, roughly 45 minutes away from Jefferson. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm understanding kind of the range here of location a little bit. I don't know Wisconsin all that well, but mm-hmm. I'm, it's not like a massive range where all these sightings have taken place. So over the course of many decades, mm-hmm. there are sightings that are, and I guess I do sort of get into this. There are sightings of a creature that's very much like classic Bigfoot sightings. Mm-hmm. And then there are very much classic dog man sightings, mm. which I'll, I'll kind of explain more of that as we go. But some people attribute them as being either in the same species mm-hmm. um, or the exact same creature is popping up. Mm-hmm. And I'll mention some of the more, or at least one of the more famous examples of that. But what I just described basically was here's one in the area mm-hmm. that is going to be the primary focus of today's story. Here's several others in the area immediately surrounding this air, this town, mm-hmm. and then a little bit spread out. Okay. Yeah. And so now I'm going to zoom in to Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Okay. So well, it is art go. to conceal art, and I do not claim to be an artist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So the sightings through the 80s were sporadic, taking place in different locations and with witnesses offering somewhat of a variety of descriptions. But the beast of Bray Road, as we know it today, came to the forefront of conversation after a series of articles that would be written about the beast. So it all starts with the picturesque town of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. At the time of this story, Elkhorn had a population of roughly 6,500 people. And though it wasn't like fully in the sticks, it was a small enough town in a Mm -hmm. county with a decent amount of wildlife across many fields, farms, small groups of wooded areas, a state park, etc. So the buzz about the, we're going to call them werewolf sightings for now. The buzz about the werewolf sightings would begin when a local journalist by the name of Linda Godfrey was having a conversation with a friend and freelancer who worked in proximity with her. They both worked for the publication The Week in Walworth County, Wisconsin. (laughs) So Linda was talking with that freelancer who also worked part-time as a bus driver. This lady had been hearing the kids on the bus talking about sightings of an animal that they described as being like a werewolf. And it turns out that kids in other schools across the area were also talking about these sightings that were apparently taking place all the time on or near Bray Road. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here comes the name. Yes. Okay. So this is going to make a little more sense now. This is also coming in like now I'm getting different perspective than what I had before. So this is crazy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this did feel odd because Bray Road is a roughly three mile long stretch that connects Highway 11, which is east of Elkhorn with County Road NN. Mm -hmm. It's a country road with old farmhouses, meadows, and cornfields. It's not fully isolated because it was sort of used as a shortcut to get to the law enforcement offices or the hospital or the nursing home, various farmhouses and that kind of thing. All in all, there was nothing particularly foreboding about this road, so it struck Linda as odd that there would be legit monster sightings on Bray Road. Yeah. (laughs) So Linda and this freelancer would spend time talking about the buzz surrounding the werewolf sightings. And the inevitable conclusion that they came to was that this was a story that was kind of begging to be written. Hmm. The freelancer didn't feel right about writing the story herself since she personally knew so many of the witnesses. Like to her, it felt kind of like she was exploiting them. So she encouraged Linda to write it instead. 
Yeah. So it was time for Linda to talk to some of the witnesses. Hmm. One of the first sightings was actually on Highway 11, super close to Bray Road in 1989. Lori Andreezy was driving home after work on a fall night. She worked as a manager at an Elkhorn bar and would often work late into the night. So when she headed home around 1.30 a.m., she was feeling super tired. Sure. She turned up the radio in her car to help keep herself awake, and that's when she saw an animal hunched over on the side of the road. At first, she said it looked like a very large human, but that's impossible. Right. What would a person be doing out on a county road at this time (laughs) of night? (laughs) You know, she was then assuming that it was a deer. But as she got closer, she realized this thing was way too big to be a deer. Hmm. She slowly pulled towards the creature. When she got a good look at it out of her passenger window from behind the creature, she noticed that it had pointed ears. When it turned around, she got a glimpse of the creature's face, which was very canine-like, but she said it didn't look like any kind of dog or wolf or any other canine she'd ever seen before. Hmm. Lori described it as having arms that were jointed like a human's. It had a muscular body, like a human man, and it was covered in dark brown-gray fur. She thought it was just shy of six feet in height and maybe around 150 pounds. She said that the way that it stared at her felt evil. Hmm. Something in its glowing eyes seemed deeply, deeply evil to her. The scariest part about the eyes appearing to be glowing is that she was pulled up next to it. So the light coming from the eyes was not light that was reflecting from her headlights. So they were like, yeah, like straight up glowing on their own. So she began to try and drive past it. She noticed that the creature was actually holding roadkill or an animal that it had hunted down itself. The odd thing about this was the way it was holding the animal. It was holding it palms up, very much like a human. Mm. Not really like most animals besides like raccoons, you know, like squirrels and things like that. Very much not like a dog, though. So from what she could tell, Lori saw that it had very human-like fingers that each had sharp claws at the ends of them. So she sped past it and actually (laughs) reported it to the animal control officer. She she's explaining this pretty unexplainable creature to the officer. Sure. This is like when she made the report. Yeah. And just as she was explaining that she had a gut feeling that this thing was evil and it felt like it had to be related to a cult or something spiritual that's also Mm. evil. Yeah. The books that the officer had firmly lined up on the wall, secured with bookends on both sides, seemed to literally jump off the shelves. (laughs) So this animal control officer named John Fredrickson and Lori, they just sat there, like staring at each other in stunned silence for like a full minute because they were both very creeped out. Yeah. And like they both made the point to say nobody slammed a door. Mm -hmm. There was not a massive gust of wind. There's really no explanation for the yeah, books just moving. Yeah. And it was all of them. They Ooh. like jumped off of the wall yeah. is how she described yeah. it. Creepy. So from that point, Lori would not talk about the creature with anyone until more witnesses began to come forward. Hmm. She also, from what I could find, never took Bray Road home after a night shift again ever either. <laughs> Which like, same. Understandable. <laughs> yes. 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 So John Fredrickson wouldn't get to drop the conversation forever. More and more reports began flying into his office. He was not convinced that this was something paranormal, something evil, or some unknown species, though. He thought that it was Mm. like a weirdly huge coyote, that maybe if it lunged at just the right time, it could appear as though it were standing on two legs. Yeah. At the time that Linda was sniffing out this story, she made contact with John, who handed her a file that he'd sort of jokingly labeled werewolf. With like all of the different reports. <laughs> yeah. And Linda was sold. Something weird is going on here. And she was determined to learn as much as she could about it. Yeah. <laughs> Linda would not have to wait long before she was connected with another woman who'd seen the creature. On Halloween night in 1991, Doris Gibson was driving her car at night on another road very close to Bray Road. Hmm. It was a foggy night. And as she was driving, it felt like her front tire was lifted off of the ground. Kind of like when you hit a large, like a rock. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. So she pulled over and climbed out of her car to see what she'd hit and to see if any damage had been done to her car. She saw nothing on the front end, but when she made her way to the rear of the car, that's when she saw it. A large, man-like creature standing on two feet. It had a broad, muscular chest and was covered in brown fur. Before she even had time to process what she was looking at, the creature made a dash for her 
as she stood stunned in the road. <gasps> no. <laughs> I know. That was a really good gasp. So Doris made a quick about face and sprinted to her open car door, climbed into the driver's seat and floored it out of there. The creature just barely behind her as she sped off into the night. Later on, on the same night, Doris went to go pick up a friend from a party. They were driving home when both of the girls saw the creature. It had attempted to jump on the back of her car at the moment that she began to speed away. So it like slid off of the back of her car. Oh my gosh. When she got home, she made a shocking discovery. On the trunk of her car were deep claw marks. No. While she wasn't quick to label the creature as a werewolf, she would go on to characterize it in an equally memorable way. She said, quote, I'd say it was a freak of nature. One of God's mistakes. End quote. Oh my gosh. Nice. (laughs) Very memorable. Yes. As Linda did more interviews, she was noticing some pretty remarkable consistency between the reports. Whatever this thing was, it was bipedal, humanoid, um, and it had canine features. Claws, fangs, Mm -hmm. thick fur ranging from brown to black to gray or any combination of the three. Hmm. It was described as being incredibly human-like. I'm sure that I'm not the only person who hears the word humanoid and pictures something like an alien or like some odd thing in the vague shape of a human. But this thing was being described as having a man's body between five and a half and seven feet tall. It was very muscular. It had man-like arms and legs, but with a dog or wolf-like face. Mm -hmm. So while many people would Hmm. classify this as very much the description of a werewolf, there are some disagreements on what constitutes a werewolf. So for the sake of clarity, a werewolf has the ability to shapeshift between a man and a wolf. It also can pass on its werewolf curse by biting another human. Mm -hmm. What people are describing in these reports are much more consistent with a different creature, the dog man, which is exactly what it sounds like. So at some point, we Hmm. will cover some other dog man legends like the Michigan dog man, And there are others like it that are very like, what the heck is that thing? I've never heard of this before. This is crazy. I know, and I'm (laughs) delighting in that. For now, let's just stick to the Beast of Bray Road, though. So as more stories came flying in, the more believable this story became for Linda and for many of the readers of her reports. Hmm. There are a lot of very creepy stories, and so many that remain super consistent. I'm just going to quickly list a few before I talk about the last couple of famous ones, and then we can get into some theories. Okay. So next we have the sighting had by Scott Bray. Scott was a dairy farmer who reported seeing a strange-looking dog on one of his pastures near Bray Road in the fall of 1989. He described the beast as being larger and taller than a German shepherd with pointy ears, Hmm. a tail, and gray-black fur. (laughs) He described it as having a bulky, muscular chest, like it's kind of top-heavy. Mm-hmm. He tried to follow the creature to get a better look at it, but lost track of it. The creature left only large footprints behind as evidence. Next, we have Russell Guest. His report was also in the fall of 1989. He said he was at a location about a block away from some heavy overgrowth when he heard a rustling noise. Suddenly, a creature came out of the brush, standing on its hind legs. Jeez. It took a few wobbly steps towards him. At this point, Russell was hightailing it out of there, (laughs) attempting to avoid getting chased and mauled by whatever this thing was. When he looked over his shoulder, he saw that the creature was now on all fours, but it was not chasing him. Oh, that's good. The animal turned towards the trees on Bray Road and disappeared. Hmm. Once again, he described the creature as having the body of a man with thick gray black fur. It was standing upright for most of the encounter, but when it dropped down on all fours, he said it was considerably larger than a German shepherd, (laughs) which is a very interesting standard unit of measure to me. Yes. What's that one thing? It's been consistent so far, too. (laughs) It is. I I know. A lot of people are are comparing it to German shepherd, which, I mean, a German shepherd does have kind of a... Distinctive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's its own look. When everybody kind of knows what that looks like yeah, vaguely. It's, true. it's, it's true. not like an obscure breed. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me think of that. I don't remember the exact uh tweet in context, but it was one of those like fun facts. And it was like a a whale is can be the size of three school buses or something like that. And someone's <laughs> yeah. like, Americans will do anything to avoid <laughs> yeah. using the metric system. And someone said, I dare you to come within three buses yeah. of me and say that to my face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> America. Okay. So he also said it had an oversized dog or wolf head with a wide neck and shoulders. He believed that it was some unknown dog wolf hybrid based on his its appearance. Hmm. Okay. So, in but Mar- it was on its hind legs at one point. Yeah, which is very weird. Yeah, that's that's too that's too weird. I feel like it it's can't too be. specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In March of 1990, another dairy farmer by the name of Mark Etten came across an unknown creature. He'd been drinking that day, which some people argue does change the validity of his claims to some degree. Just for mm. the record. So when he came across this creature, he saw it sitting like a raccoon holding something in upright palms that it was eating Hmm. out of its hands. As he got closer to it, the creature looked at him. It had a thick, wide snout, slightly shorter than the average dog's muzzle. It had thick, muscular legs, and its body was covered in dark hair. Hmm. Initially, Mark had believed that it was a bear, but after reports about the beast of Bray Road began popping up across the area, he wasn't so sure it was a bear after all. Sometime around Christmas of 1990, 11-year-old Heather Bowie spent the day sledding with her friends about a mile away from Bray Road. As she and her friends made their way back home around 4.30, they saw what they believed to be a large dog walking along a creek near the cornfield, about a block away from them. So it's close-ish. They have enough of a a visual to kind of have an idea Mm -hmm. of its size and everything, but far enough away that... It's a little obscured. So when the creature realized that people were watching it, it stood up on its hind legs and took four wobbly steps towards them. Gosh. It then dropped down on all fours and began sprinting at them. Ah. The group took off running, noticing that the creature was able to leap, quote, a bigger leap than a dog's run, end quote, (sighs) according to Heather. It followed them for roughly 250 yards before it took off back towards the field. Mm. What is it? has oh gosh literally every time that you say and it's on on its hind legs or it gets up onto its hind leg it like that just totally like freaks me out just the thought Mm. of any any uh creature that is not supposed to be on two (laughs) legs suddenly being on two legs is like a nightmare for me yeah that's horrifying and then to have that four-legged on two legs creature go back to four legs is like, and then be way faster. It's like, Oh, this is not good. So every single <laughs> time you're saying there. it, I'm like <laughs> getting stressed out. I know it's so, stressful. Yeah. Overall, the town was pretty divided on the beast of Bray road. While many people either fully believed the witnesses or had in fact seen the creature with their own two eyes, many more thought the whole thing was absolutely ridiculous. Sure. So this is where the story does get super weird. Witnesses were often teased or ridiculed for their claims. People would play pranks, like werewolf-related pranks, Mm. while others saw this as a potential business opportunity and designed werewolf t-shirts that they sold. That's the right way to go about it, honestly. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Others would throw werewolf-themed parties. That is the other correct thing to do. But in January of 1992, the sightings would take a strange new direction. While sightings of the Beast of Bray Road were beginning to slow down, a new type of sighting took place. An unnamed local businessman with the reputation of being trustworthy claimed that he saw erratic moving lights in the sky in Delavan, which is a town near Elkhorn. Quick content warning. I'm about to make a quick mention of violence against animals. If you don't want to hear that, skip forward a minute. It's quick. Mm -hmm. So that same spring, animal mutilations began. The most notable being an event where five horses were found in a pasture outside of Elkhorn, clearly deceased. All of them had deep cuts across their throats. When John Fredrickson, the animal control officer, came to investigate, he described the wounds as surgical. Oh my gosh. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it totally does. If you've not listened to our episode about- Two episodes. Our two episodes about Skinwalker Ranch- you need to pause this right now. Go listen to those and then come back because uh, there's a lot that we probably can't unpack here right now that we unpacked in that. That's yeah. Oh my gosh. So we've got weird creatures. We've yes. got lights in the sky and we have animal mutilations. Yes. This is bonks. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So all of that to say there were tons of reports of this thing. 
It turned out that once Doris's story was put out there, that more and more people seemed to come out of the woodwork, remembering similar encounters that they had either filed away as something explainable, like a bear, Mm -hmm. or people who were so shaken by what they'd seen and so concerned of ruining their reputation in their small town that they Mm -hmm. didn't come forward until that point. But either way, the stories of the beast would once again stop coming in or at least slow down considerably. Since the 1990s, there have been several more reports of a creature matching the description of the Beast of Bray Road, but we're only going to cover two more. Okay. In 2018, a man named Danny Morgan was driving to his home in Spring Prairie, Wisconsin, which is east of Elkhorn. While driving, he saw an animal sprinting in a cornfield near the road. Afraid he was going to hit it, Danny slowed down and then slammed on his brakes barely missing the thing as it made its way down into the ditch and across the road. Mm. The unique part of Danny's encounter is that he got some photos. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be honest and say that the photos do kind of look like someone in a wolf suit to me. That doesn't mean that's what it is, but I'm like, for the sake of not just like writing the high of this being, (laughs) we finally caught a cryptid on camera moment. I'm being objective here, but yeah, it to me, little sketch. Yeah. But again, in July of 2020, an area man claimed to have seen the creature standing near a tree line in Lyons, Wisconsin, in the middle of the day. He then saw it again two weeks later in the same area. That is very recent. Very recent. Wow. Okay, so let's discuss some theories. What on earth is the beast of Bray Road? So let's start with some more natural theories. It is highly possible that this creature is some weird hybrid or some weirdly mutated version of a known species. Mm-hmm. Many believe it could be a bear or a wolf dog or a coyote wolf hybrid. It could also be an unknown species. Linda Godfrey herself doesn't consider the creature to be a known species. At the end of the day, coyotes are too small compared mm. to the size of the thing that people are reporting. Sure. Bears are also distinctly bear-like in appearance <laughs> and not dogman-like. Yes. And as far as I could find, bears aren't native to the area. Oh, she does okay. think it's possible that some wolfhound mix could be the culprit, but there are no known species of animals that would fall under that category in the areas where the Beast of Bray Road was reported. Hmm. And none of them are known to walk upright. Yeah. Some people also believe that the creature could be part of a remnant population of like wolf ancestors that have long been extinct. Ooh, that's... Mm -hmm. That's a hot take. Okay. Okay. So these creatures were known and documented by Native Americans and early pioneers, and they were called the Shunka Warakin, which translates to carrying off dogs. Hmm. Some scholars and zoologists believe that a particular species that was basically a super jacked, beefy looking hyena creature (laughs) could still theoretically exist in Hmm. very small numbers. Sure. Also, they earned that name by Native Americans and pioneers because these people would say that these weird animals would break into their camps and steal their dogs. (laughs) So. Okay. (laughs) That's figured I should probably mention that. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Now that the name makes more sense. Yes. Some other explanations that are worth mentioning simply because they're so weird include but are not limited to escaped psychiatric patients or homeless people who are exceptionally hairy and live in the forest (laughs) that are like super tall and jacked. Just like the most jacked and tall and hairy. Obviously false. (laughs) Some have suggested that maybe what people are seeing are specimens of a human zoo, like old circus performers that broke out, which like, like, come on. That's uh, I'm all for creativity, but like, really? That'd be next level messed up. In a lot of ways. (laughs) There are a few more ridiculous ones like that that I'll spare you from. Mm -hmm. But people, it's one of those grasping at straws moments. Sure. Where it's like, I know. It's a circus performer. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's my take on that. Yeah. So then there's the possibility that this is a case of mass hysteria. Kind of like what we talked about in the Mothman episode. Mm. So this theory is pretty simple. Someone saw something weird that scared them and told people about it. Once news spread about an unknown creature on the loose, more people began to attribute sightings of normal things, like a dog or a cow in a field, as being something much more monstrous. Hmm. This kind of thing does happen, but many people are skeptical of this theory, given the consistency and specifics between all of the eyewitness reports. Yeah. So, there's also the possibility that this is a very elaborate hoax. 
someone or a group of someone's maybe made a very convincing costume. Sure. And they began to terrorize people all over the county. I'm skeptical of this one just because I tend to believe eyewitness sightings of cryptids when there are certain details that are like super the same across the board. Right. And when people have more to lose than they have to gain by coming forward with a crazy monster story. Right. Well, and that there's like a, the timeline spans mm-hmm. 80 years. That's At least. Crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Some have suggested that this is in fact a case of mistaken identity, but it's not a weird wolf hybrid nor is it any known species that is accepted as such by the scientific community as a whole. Hmm. Maybe this creature was a Bigfoot or a variety of a Bigfoot. Oh, interesting. Some of the reports did say that the creature had almost ape-like tendencies. Mm -hmm. And many people do accept this as a real possibility, especially people who are a fan of high strangeness, often citing that wherever there are reported sightings of Bigfoot, Mm -hmm. there are also reports of UFO sightings and sometimes animal mutilations as well. So I don't know Hmm. if I believe that theory, but I really want to believe that theory (laughs) like a lot. (laughs) This theory also blends with the next one, which is that people were seeing an unclassified humanoid that could be fairly described with the title of dog man. Mm -hmm. Like straight up, this is a dog man. We've never classified this in science. Yeah. Small population or they're really good at hiding or something. Sure, sure, sure. So maybe just maybe like the Mothman theory, similar to this one. The dogman is an extraterrestrial conducting some sort of research and has disguised itself as an animal in order to blend in. <laughs> you just never know. Doing a great job there, blending in, making sure that we don't notice you. <laughs> We've blended Mothman in with Bigfoot. Yes. And I'm so here for it. Yes. Here for it. So some have claimed that this is some variation of different Native American characters, such as the Navajo skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. Many cite the fact that in the 1936 sighting, the creature attempted to speak to the witness, and it seemed to have had a purpose for digging into that preserved Native American burial mound. Sure. I don't want to go too far down the road on this one, simply because I don't know enough about different characters in the various Native American cultures Mm -hmm. that would be similar to a skinwalker that have populations in Woolworth County. Yeah. I just don't know what the local Native lore is on Mm. that. So if any of our listeners agree with this theory and have more information they'd like to share on that, please send us an email or a direct message. Mm -hmm. We would love to hear about that, and we will totally talk about it on a future episode. There's also the chance that the shapeshifter narrative of the werewolves and the skinwalkers Mm -hmm. could be a potential explanation. (laughs) Yes. So. Yes. You just never know. And then one final theory is that this is somehow cult-related. Considering Lori's statement, this theory takes that overwhelming feeling of evil that she felt into account. Mm, Could the dog man and other creatures like it be a dog-like demon that some weirdo cult conjured up? Could a flesh and bone human member of a local (laughs) cult have been given the power and ability to take the form of a wolf for some unknown nefarious reason? People also cite the handful of animal mutilations as well as the surgical precision of those mutilations Mm -hmm. with this theory. Hmm. and with the extraterrestrial theory. So who's to say? About the theories, Linda has said, quote, there is a high probability that everyone is not always seeing the same thing. There could be a biological, physical animal seen by some while others see phantoms or supernatural entities from a variety of sources. A few may be misidentifications or hoaxes, end quote. Hmm. Which I feel like is a pretty reasonable approach. Like, Just because people are seeing weird things doesn't mean they're seeing the same weird thing. Yeah. There could be multiple weird things, which is far more settling. (laughs) Or only one of them out of 20 is weird and the rest are like totally normal things. Fair. Never know. Okay. Okay. She's making a case that it's a a much broader, there's a potential for a much broader explanation. Yes. Which could be more or less terrifying depending on Mm -hmm. how you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So regardless of what you believe, people were seeing something in Walworth County. Whether it was an animal, known or unknown, an alien or a hoax, the Beast of Bray Road has certainly earned its status as a legendary North American cryptid. Hmm. For this episode, I used a few articles as part of my research, and I read the book The Beast of Bray Road, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf by Linda Godfrey. If you liked this story and want to learn more, definitely go pick up her book. She went way more in-depth than I did, and she provides some extremely compelling thoughts and opinions on The Beast of Bray Road. Hmm. 
She also spent years interviewing residents in Elkhorn and surrounding towns and wrote several more books about werewolves and other cool creatures. So definitely go buy one of her books or I actually read this one for free on Kindle. Oh, fun. So I'll link the one I just mentioned in the show notes and I'll link her website. She unfortunately has passed away uh, Mm. due to Parkinson's, but she's a legend in the cryptozoology community. I'd like to end with a quote of hers. Quote, the one thing I'm sure of, based on my experiences of the past 10 years, is that humanity's love-hate affair with the werewolf and its kin is not going away anytime soon. That mysterious bond between Homo sapiens and Canis lupus will always be there, nipping Mm. at the edges of our consciousness and bidding us to bay a duet when the moon is full. End quote. And that... That's what I have for you today. Wow. That uh, definitely took a different direction than I was anticipating at first. Yeah. Um, especially considering that, like, we talked about skinwalkers in the pa- in the past. And mm-hmm. um, I, you know, immediately went to that. And then we went down this totally different realm. Mm-hmm. And then kind of circled back to, to high strangeness, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Wow. Yeah. I'm uh, really just kind of like, I'm surprised. (laughs) I know. I know. There were so many directions that you can take this one Mm -hmm. and it still is consistent to the Mm -hmm. story. That's Uh, why I love this one so much. Yeah. And I'm curious to learn more about the dog man at some point. Mm -hmm. That sounds. Yeah. We'll talk more about dog man. That sounds very interesting to me. Well, and I also think too, some people did make the case, maybe straight up, this was a werewolf, maybe straight up Mm -hmm. like the werewolves of old. Maybe that's exactly what are. this was. Wisconsin. It's, it's the, they're in Wisconsin. <laughs> Look out. There's werewolves coming. Well, and in Linda's book, she had many, many sections where she dove very deep mm-hmm. into different werewolf lore and like how that's relevant to the yeah. story. Potentially. Sure. She did a really good job with that. I didn't spend a ton of time on that because I'm, I'm definitely more interested in the realm of high strangeness. Yeah. I also am not completely unconvinced about about it being some form of shape-shifting yeah. magic. I just did not look up what tribes are local there and what the various tribal lore sure, is sure. of tribes in the area. But I did think it was super weird that one of the first reported sightings was at a burial mound. Mm-hmm. There's, There's got to be something. That feels important. Tethered to that, yeah. When he said when he thought that he saw the hand, mm-hmm. that it was badly decomposed. So it wasn't like an animal just smelled like a freshly buried body. These were like long buried yeah. members of a tribe. Hmm. Wow. So very strange. If you could pick a theory that you either believe is true or want to believe is true, what would you pick? Well, I, considering that I don't know much about the dog man, actually, I don't know anything about that. This is my first time ever hearing that before. It's basically Bigfoot, but more dog-like. Sure. Essentially. But considering that that is... All of my knowledge about that creature, um, I, I feel fairly compelled toward high strangeness mm-hmm. and uh, like like skinwalker kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, those stories from that episode, the 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 beast was just a giant wolf. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a humanoid wolf. Yeah, but do you remember the weird things coming out of the portals? Oh, true. After the guys were stationed there. Oh, true. They're like, something's opening up. What? Something's coming out of it. Yeah, that was weird. It doesn't oh, have yeah. a face. Oh, Remember oh, that gosh. guy? Oh, I just got goosebumps again. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Okay. <laughs> well, and I was looking through like different YouTube and Reddit comments mm-hmm. because there's always gold there, mostly sure. on Reddit. Sure. And one person said that she was like out on the porch with her friend mm-hmm. and they were smoking cigarettes on mm-hmm. the porch and like they live in this area. They're not strangers to farm animals, wild animals. They see stuff all the time. But while they were sitting there, they heard something. So they looked over and they saw this creature that was short. It was only a couple of feet tall Mm. on four legs, but it was like seven feet long. Yeah. And then she said that it went behind a tree. He or she, I'm so sorry. It could be he or she, but went behind a tree and then never reappeared from behind the tree, which is physically impossible because Except it was long. Because it was long. The portals. And so if it started <laughs> yeah, going yeah, yeah, behind a yeah. tree, even if it climbed the tree, oh, they would see it. Wow. But it never reappeared again. Yeah. Ooh. So I don't know. I t- I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well. Weird. You asked me my what, what my theory would be. Mine, mine would tend towards 
high strangeness, yeah. but that uh, that could change with uh, more knowledge on some of these other creatures that I know nothing about. So <laughs> This is why we do this, sort of. Yes, exactly. This is why really, we started this. Really, you're educating me. Everybody else is just getting to listen to you educate me <laughs> on these things. That's what this whole podcast is about. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, everybody, thank you so much for listening to our unusual, unsettling, and unsavory story today. I'm going to land firmly in the unusual category Same. for now. Hard, hard, unusual. Yes. And if you have an opinion on that, please feel free to let us know in the comment on the Instagram or Facebook post of mm-hmm. this podcast. Mm-hmm. Also, if you don't mind, please make sure that you are <laughs> subscribed to our podcast on your favorite listening platform. Um, we just learned recently that we had uh, one person who realized that they weren't subscribed and then suddenly they downloaded 35 episodes yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah make sure that you're subscribed and also if you enjoy the podcast please leave a glowing five-star review the the high reviews help other people looking for podcasts like ours to be able to find them also you can follow us on all of the social medias uh tiktok and instagram we are at this one is a doozy and facebook this one's a doozy podcast and then lastly you can email us at uh, this one is a doozy at gmail.com and you can give us some suggestions and uh, personal stories, stuff like that. And then lastly, why don't you tell us about our newest addition to all of all of this? Yes, I mentioned it at the front of the show, but we are now on Patreon. We are needing a little bit of support to keep the mics on. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to put out more content. And we want to be able to justify doing that, spending our time doing that. <laughs> yeah. So if you are interested in supporting the show, you can go to Patreon and search This One's a Doozy. Or you can click the link in our Instagram or Facebook bios. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you on Thursday for another doozy. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.